Welcome to BIV Today, the podcast direct from the Business in Vancouver newsroom and BIV.com. I'm Tyler Orton, and today we get to share with you a recording from the Founders and Funders Roundtable that I moderated back in December. So the event is hosted by the new AINBC Industry Association. It has an eye on getting a conversation going about what can be done to make Vancouver a true hub for advancements in artificial intelligence. So we had a wide-ranging discussion with a lot of very notable names, and I do my best as moderator throughout this to introduce all of the 15 or so attendees, but you'll have to forgive me if you might not know who is speaking at every given moment throughout this conversation but it was a busy panel, but it was a very insightful one. So I want to encourage everyone to give it a listen. Um, so I'd like to introduce now uh, Tyler Orton, if you don't yet know him. Um, he's with Business of Vancouver. He's been in there um, for about six or so years, also contributing as a reporter to other um, media publications such as Global. And uh, really, I'll, I'll turn it over to Tyler. Uh, last comment that I'll make first is, you know, this is a large group of people, a short amount of time, so I th- I'd like to see this hopefully um, as kind of the start of a conversation. So we you know, begin some thoughts here, and, and you know, for those that are keen to you know, keep working on this concept of, of capital around AI in the province, we'd love to you know, keep you know, chatting with you going forward and, and see what uh, may come of it. But this is just to kick off um, this, this overall sort of concept, and with that, I'll let yeah, no, I've seen a lot of familiar faces, and if I haven't met you in person, I've probably spoke to like half of you guys on the phone. So um, if you've got your card, maybe flip it in front of you if it isn't already, just so I can point to the name, just if I need it. But uh, I just want to be here to facilitate a conversation. I'm not going to talk all that much. I'll just throw some questions out there. But I think people want to really get into the nitty-gritty, and maybe we can start with that VC angle, of course. Um, and... Throw it out there if you guys have something to say. Otherwise, I'm going to pick on people maybe that are more familiar to me than not. So I'll just put that out there too. But uh, with regards to British Columbia, I wonder if uh, we register on the radar when it comes to global investments. Um, does anyone have any thoughts about where British Columbia stands right now when it comes to global investors thinking about where they want to put some AI dollars and whether there's anything we can do to raise our profile or do you think we're on the right track right now? I'll Throw that out there. Anybody want to jump on that one first right now? If not, I'll throw it over to Frank Chang. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? This uh, yeah, from so, Flying Fish. Yeah. So um, it's it's an interesting question. We uh, our our particular fund is um, regional in nature. I mean, we look at stuff in the U.S. Pacific Northwest, and we pick BC uh, on purpose for a couple reasons. One is obviously proximity to Seattle, <clears throat> but the other is um, uh, with all of the sort of um, uh, uh, political unrest uh, in the states uh, right now, especially with regards to immigration, uh, it's um, uh, it causes an interesting uh, dynamic where obviously lots of really talented folks are coming here uh, because they're not able to get into the U.S. Uh, but there's these major companies, uh, namely Microsoft and Amazon, who are based just two hours south of the border, uh, who are also opening up offices here or have offices here. And so what you have is this influx of talent uh, coming here, and I think that's a huge um, uh, uh, benefit that may be not obvious 
uh, to a lot of people. Uh, and so whenever we bring that up to folks that are interested in potentially investing in us um, into the fund, they, they're like, oh, well, that's actually a really, really interesting um, dynamic that I hadn't even thought of. Um, there's, there's not enough uh, STEM uh, graduates in the country to support all the demand, uh, so it's got to come from somewhere. Um, and so I think that's potentially something to, you ask, you know, how do you raise awareness? That could be an interesting angle. Yeah, how does that, I guess, progressive immigration policies that I think Canada has been well at, you know, branding itself as the, the last few years, is that brand reaching out to other countries right now? Are people aware of the Canadian brand kind of growing and growing, especially as you kind of alluded to maybe a more kind of stable presence for investors? Yeah, uh, in terms of international, I couldn't tell you. Like, um, like outside of the U.S., um, you know, we're. Uh, I don't know. It's technically the U.S. is international for you. It is. Um, that's, why, that's why I was asking <laughs> yeah, that question. Right, right. Um, uh, you know, globally, I couldn't tell you. Uh, but within the U.S., I think people are aware of this. Um, it is a sort of an acute problem, especially in the tech industry. Like most of our investors are pretty um, familiar with the tech world, so they get it. Um, and so I think that does resonate with them. Um, and, uh, yeah. You know, I, I don't think people, you know, so if you look at investors, if you look at that perspective, and when you say investors, this is both, I think, you know, direct primary investors and then, you know, limited partners who want to invest in the funds, because you have a number of us from funds who we have, you know, we put, put capital forth and we also get capital from other people uh, on, uh, on that basis. You know, a vast majority of, let's say, from the limited partner perspective, use North America as North America in general, and to be as simple as possible. Um, they don't really, you know, let alone too often differentiate between Canada and the U.S., and very few differentiate within Canada. Okay? I mean, you talk about the global basis on, uh, on, that, uh, on that basis. Internally within Canada, we like to think BC is different than Toronto and Montreal and Quebec and all that. Externally, that's really not necessarily the view. Um, if anything, I think Toronto does resonate, just given its scale. Uh, to these parties as a localized ecosystem. And they don't look at it provincial, they look at it city-based because uh, the network effects are typically honed in around a much more localized uh, geography. So they look at, say, Toronto, per se, fits in the kind of the top 10 in North America, but isn't necessarily, you know, I don't think Vancouver comes on that list too often. Now, that being said, they do see Vancouver as a part of the Canadian ecosystem. Um, so that when you see that, say kind of like, what's the Canadian ecosystem? It's Toronto, it's Montreal, it's Vancouver, and everything else. I don't, I don't know. I'm curious about so, people say similar things. So with regards to AI specifically, when I've gone out internationally and said that you know we're based in Vancouver, and this was at my prior company, um, they would go, oh, we didn't know there was AI in Vancouver. And we're overlooked. And so I would actually say that Toronto and Montreal have developed a very good brand around AI. Um, and the local support for the infrastructure and the ecosystem is there that builds off of, you know, Hinton and Bengio and all of that good stuff there. But I would say that uh, people outside, at least the, the people that I've spoken to, and also that goes to, you know, people who work in Canadian offices, aside from the piece, people in British Columbia obviously would have a vested interest. But if you talk to trade commissioners or people in foreign uh, missions and embassies, you know, they go, oh, yeah, we would love to take people to Vancouver because they're, they're always taking people to Toronto, Waterloo, Montreal, and then they go, there's nowhere else to take them. And so they just fly over Vancouver, and they, they said they, do, they, they usually say they'd love to come to Vancouver, but they didn't know that there was any AI in Vancouver. So I think we suffer from a branding problem, uh, which is the reason why we created AI in BC, because it would be nice 
to have a premium attached to where you're based so that you don't have to explain that there is AI in Vancouver. Can I direct this to Alan Winter? I was, yeah, I, I think you have some thoughts on this too. Uh, no, just to build a little bit on Fred and Eric and Handel. I think the, you know, part of the job is to some extent to go to uh, Europe, go to Asia, go down the coast, etc., and talk to companies who want to come into BC. And you ask them why they want to come into BC, etc. And I think you're absolutely right. The, the, you know, people know on the tech side about AR, VR, just because we're, you know, a big group outside Los, Los Angeles in that area, and animation is part of that. Um, they know about telecom, they know about Sierra Labs, they know about IoT in, in, that, in that sense. Um, they may know a bit about life science, because that seems to be, genomics seems to be an area that we've done about in, in terms of biotech. But I would say AI is not visible, really, here. Although, I think people who, who understand the ecosystem know that there's a fair amount of ability to move AI into applications, which is more what's happening in Vancouver. So, so I, I think Handel's absolutely correct. We, somehow we've got to get the visibility up. And part of that, I think, if, if you don't mind, is a little bit of history in the sense that um, Vancouver, in the days of pre-car, so you go back to the 90s, AI and robotics was top of the list. So Alan Mackworth, others who were part of that, um, and so moving AI into a robotic world was part of that. Unfortunately, most of that went to other various countries and so on. Then there was kind of an AI winter, and then deep learning came up as kind of the next big thing. And that's where Toronto, Montreal, Edmonton, you know, to some extent, a very quick decision by the federal government through CIFAR to identify those three centers for chairs and so on led to the fact that uh, Vancouver sort of cut out of that business. And so yesterday we had 34 chairs announced, none of which were in Vancouver, although I think we have six from a previous round. So we've sort of, unfortunately, I think, missed that sort of deep learning side. And yet on the other hand, we have more companies involved, I think, in Vancouver generally. More applications, but it's more on sort of the machine learning type of type of side rather than the deep learning side. And I think as we heard yesterday at Crossover, the applications are generally on this side of the fence rather than on the deep learning side. So I think we've got we've got to somehow rebrand ourselves um, in in this area to be uh, to be a significant player. Um, and a, having a center of some type that we can point to, I think, would be a very good very good point to go. Yeah, if I can, that, Alan, I think that's a great point. So I, my history is I grew up in BC. I've now been living in Toronto for about 12 years, both as an investor and an operator in machine learning AI. And so as a result of now being an element AI, I spent a lot of time between Toronto and Montreal. But as a BC boy, um, I'm always cheering for us over here. And I think it, that, well, your point right now is super important. It's, you got to pick your spot. You're not going to replicate what Toronto's done or what Montreal's done. And in fact, I think Toronto and Montreal tried to be too much like one another. Mm -hmm. And what's good about what's happened over the last couple of years, they're starting to define their own paths. They're <coughs> different ecosystems. They're different markets. We at Element live across both markets, but the flows of talent don't go the same way. Toronto is actually getting much stronger on the engineering side. Montreal continues to deepen the bench on the research side. There's nothing wrong with those things. Um, so the question really is, what does BC want to do? And I think there's a lot of opportunity on the applied side. That's where industry is moving. That's what industry wants from um, the markets that have the research talent is what are you now going to bring to the table from a commercialization perspective 
Um, and actually, one of our co-founders, um, actually at the head of our research group, studied at UBC, right? Um, and so there's a deep, deep research affiliation here, even if it's not public via the CIFAR chairs and all of that, to leverage. Now the question is, where do you pick a spot? Where do you invest? Um, and I think at Crossover yesterday, that was a <coughs> question that was really being asked, and it's, it's the right question. I think we also want to consider how we get investments going here. Um, and I, I think there's a lot of challenges uh, from different levels of company. I'm wondering, Jessica, what are some of the challenges do you find right now for a startup looking to raise capital right now? Sure. And so for the people that don't, in the room that don't know about A&K Robotics, so we specialize in autonomous vehicles, um, specifically the AI and the algorithms that enable smart driving decisions for robots, and we focus on indoor environments. Um, we've been around for about five years. It'll be five years in January. Um, and we have a team of about 20. We've raised two rounds. Um, yeah, funding and investment is a challenge. And from speaking with um, other companies in Vancouver and also in Toronto and Montreal and internationally, there is a bit of a difference. And I'd agree with Alan that in Vancouver, we tend to focus more on the application. Um, for, for just speaking on A&K Robotics, um, we're kind of driven to focus more on the application and the commercialization because the funding locally is diff difficult. Um, so we focus on software, but we also have a hardware component. Um, and Vancouver's not known uh, really to, you know, be so big in that space. We've got a lot of software, enterprise SaaS companies. So um, it's, I feel like locally, the investment scene um, is not as robust as in Toronto, certainly not as in Silicon Valley. And I feel like startups here, they're driven to find the sources of funding elsewhere. And we end up pushing ourselves faster to commercialization, um, getting products out there. At least that's what we do. Um, so I think that if we were to maybe set ourselves apart and have a kind of brand, it might be in that respect, um, being focused on AI applications that are actually out working in the real world where, you know, Montreal could be focusing more on the as uh, research aspect, which is critically important, but that might be an area of niche for ourselves where we have strength. Yeah, I think, you know, to kind of add on to that, as an investor, like, we don't have enough investors in Vancouver so we need people from outside as well. Like our pockets just aren't deep enough. There's not enough of us that even for us, when we look at investing in funds, we need other people around the table, especially on the hardware side, right? Hardware is hard. It's a system. It takes a lot more dollars and a lot longer to come to fruition. So you need more partners around the table. So even like just as to state a problem for us and you know, looking at different solutions is like we do need to get that outside so that we can play together because there's just just not enough money from the funds locally. So do you think then we have a, a quote-unquote problem with attracting capital or do you think this is just uh, a nascent sort of industry within a, a city that's still coming up as a tech center? Uh, do you think that's maybe it's just an incremental thing that uh, we can address here? Do you think that there's something structural that we could, I don't know, uh, fix, uh, so to speak, at this point? Does anybody have any thoughts on that? Definitely structural. Um, I don't think there's anything incremental. Um, Toronto was able to get certain density, and now it's really spun. Like, those network effects in Toronto in the last five years are extraordinary. And we're losing by, by the week to Toronto's momentum. Um, for example, I was in New York at an event where the mayor of Toronto was speaking about 
net gains in tech jobs in Toronto were equal to New York and the Bay Area combined. And you can just hear everyone with cash in the room being like, I got to go to Toronto, <laughs> right? So it's kind of a momentum on momentum. Just like you know, investing in a company with like month over month growth, you see an ecosystem with you know quarter over quarter growth, and you want to go there with your time. And so Vancouver is just losing time to Valley investors going to Toronto, and CDL and Mars and a bunch of other ecosystem enablers have just doubled down on that. Whereas in Vancouver were a bunch of neighborhoods. Like CDL doesn't really talk to BrainStation, doesn't talk to Launch Academy, doesn't talk to Axianet, doesn't talk to, like all the ecosystem in Vancouver is highly fragmented. So if the province and city were to do something to really like take a page off of Toronto, they'd be getting all of them to do either collaborative events or super events. Like the BC Tech is interesting as a showcase, but the layer of like productization is in that like, Accelerators popping people out, and the accelerators are all independent. And so, how do you uh, like fuse that, like DMZ and you know, etc., which, which is happening in Toronto? Uh, so for me, like I spend three to six months a year outside of Vancouver. I should have definitely been in LA or New York. Now that I know my market, and maybe just to put a, a point on that. So um, I'm working with the BC Tech Association to start getting AI Chief Executive Council up and running. We kicked off about two weeks ago and just with an initial small group and that sentiment was echoed 100% in the room by about 10 companies. Uh, higher valuations anywhere outside of Vancouver, a couple of them wish they hadn't started here and a couple are considering leaving. Um, not even just leaving and starting their office but, but shifting their entire business out of Vancouver to get the scale because they're seeing another location. So, that was, again, it was a Vancouver born and raised and always been here. That was very disheartening. Um, and I think the, we didn't get into too much of the, the valuation question in terms of numbers, but I think the next time we will. Because I want to, you know, that's an interesting thing, thing to drill down on. I think that's probably, you guys, you guys know best, you know, I think that's generally been the case in Vancouver on the valuation side. But the, there was very sharp comments coming out of some people that had raised, you know, 15, 20, 30 million dollars for their AI startups. Um, saying that they only got the valuations they needed by leaving Vancouver, which was, again, they weren't kind of crumbling about. So we'll get more data on that and bring it back to everyone, but uh, that was definitely a, your comments were excellent precise. I'm not valuation sensitive, I'm capital <coughs> sensitive. I can't raise a yeah, that's on the capital to so yeah. the milestones needed for the next raise. Yeah, no, and I, and I think, remember, I think what's often viewed, I think, you know, there's a couple things that people tend to focus on is like total dollars invested, not number of finance. I think that's a really wrong metric to always look at. It's, you know, it's depth of the activity is really important, more so that, hey, you know, we had a company raise $500 million here when they didn't actually put $500 million on their balance sheet. And we don't really look at that. It's really about how much, how many financings are we, are we actually having. And that is where you start to see a lot more of that turnover and, uh, and, and effect. You know, and, and, but, you know, we're, we're all talking about the same thing, really. Valuation, number of financings. This is just a function of supply and demand at the core of it, right? There's demand for it. There's not enough supply. And that's going to drive down price, and it's going to lead to fewer finances, which is what happens. Um, to be totally, I think, clear about it, that's basically the same thing. I, don't know, I, probably, the same I, I probably have a little less, I mean, I'm not in your shoes, so I... I, I no I, pun intended. I, yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> glad you noticed that. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I, I would say, you know, I've been in Vancouver in the tech market for 25 years now, and I would say that... I'm a lot more bullish on where we've been and where we're going than 
the sort of the tone around, around the table. I mean, the reality is, is we are a smaller market. There's smaller VCs here. There's less dollars here. There's less talent here than Toronto, et cetera, et cetera, right? So uh, <clears throat> to me, these kinds of problems are never things that you sort of flip a switch and then all of a sudden, wow, you know, it's an iterative thing that has to layer on and, and build. And, and I think when I look at it, there's more talents here. Uh, there's more great companies being formed here. You know, you see companies reaching 100 employees and stuff. Now, I'm not talking AI specifically. I'm talking tech in general right now. I think there's more investors here than there's ever been putting dollars to work here, notwithstanding the fact that some of the ones like Clio are, are, are exit as opposed to pure financing. Um, bit of mix of both in that case. But I just still think there's just more of all those things going on. Now, is it the same as Toronto? No. And Toronto get network effects, for sure. Same as the Valley, even to a greater degree. Um, but I see great companies being formed here all the time. Now, I don't think, to a couple of comments made, that AI, which I know what this is specific, this is definitely not viewed as an AI yeah. center. <laughs> there's just no doubt about that. And if you're an AI company trying to attract dollars, I think the investors that are based here are not AI specific. We actually have a theme where we're focused on AI, but it's more about AI applied in software. Um, but most investors are, are not big enough here to really focus and hone in on that. And so, like any new emerging area, I think the bigger centers have more funds that are more aggressive that will do that kind of thing. Montreal is a bit of an interesting case because a lot of dollars can, between government and Quebec Inc. in general, can kind of wrap around big projects like Element AI and do things like that that we just don't. We just don't have that base here, right? And so we can't, those things just don't happen here if right I, now. So. If I could just add to that, like I think, if I look at the Toronto example, and I think, you know, you pointed out a lot of these um, entities that have existed to accelerate activity, it's, it looks a lot like it was orchestrated in hindsight. I can tell you it's complete chaos as you do it, right? So as you do it, there's questions being asked about why is the DMZ getting supported like that? What the hell are they doing over there at Mars? All these things did happen now. What what was important was the momentum it accelerated and where in the life cycle of companies the investment was made when. So if Toronto today was doing all the things they did five years ago to get companies off the ground and early stage companies going in really small financings, 500K to a million dollars done, that would be a really silly strategy today, right? Because we don't need the early stage momentum. What we need is the filtering of high quality companies and then support to scale. And now you're seeing some funds come in to do that. But that also couldn't be done in a vacuum. Toronto continues to have disadvantages in a global context. It required a significant orientation to investors from New York and the Valley, which now there's a really nice continuum of people coming in and out. Funds with LPs who've now supported them from the US. And then even in our case, I mean, an orientation to Asia, right? So I, I look at ANK Robotics. We run, a little known fact, Element runs a, a venture fund with Hyundai, SK Telecom, and Hanwha Group focused on advanced uh, manufacturing and robotics. So we had to take ourselves to capital pools really, really far away from Quebec, but none of that money came from Toronto or Montreal, and none of that money is government money, I can tell you that. But we had to go out there and find that money and find a reason for that money to pay attention to Canada. So much so now we're getting asked by other corporates, could you launch another fund like this from Canada? Well, maybe, right? But we had to go and do it first, and we had to go bring attention to us, and Toronto will never, well, no, sorry, I shouldn't say never, but it will take a long time for Toronto like a three, can you imagine three corporates in Canada spinning up 50 to 100 million dollars to give to a startup to say, yeah, go get it and let's see what happens. So my point is only that I think there's a lot of hope and I, I think that's what we should focus on. But I think it's super important to be strategic. And then they let the chaos happen and people complain. 
but then it sort of ended up in a decent place, right? And the question now is like, where do they invest today that's different than five years ago to keep the momentum going? And that, there's still, by the way, a huge scale-up vacuum in Toronto that's now trying to be addressed, right? So the problems just change over time, I think. To the, oh, to the, so to that point, I think that it's also really, so I'm, I'm representing government, and I think that there are tremendous opportunities for us to do this sort of thing. Like, you know, how that you're building this, this CIO council or whatever it is, like, great initiative. These seem like things that we need to be starting to do a lot more deliberately. Um, so one of our concerns by just transitioned to the province from the federal government and a lot of the work that we did around AI was around predictability and having these sort of, you know, having an algorithmic impact assessment approach that was really based on, you know, mitigating risks effectively in the public sector. That's the sort of thing that we could, you know, we're delighted to come to the table for conversations like that here in BC, right? It's just, you know, we, I think, have to build it on the basis of an ecosystem and it seems like we're just starting to get, get organized in that regard, yeah. right? Yeah. Which is a good thing. Yeah. 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 The, the hard part about Vancouver, and just from um, an entrepreneurial standpoint, is that we've always been, because we don't have customers here, we always look externally. And so we tend to act like the cats, right? We all go out and do our own thing. And so orchestrating an ecosystem for Vancouver has been very hard in any scenario. Like any scenario, right? My customers are both, like my two major customers are both in Toronto and now one in San Francisco, right? So I don't have any business here. But of course, that's that's a choice when we're talking. No, about it's not a choice. It's not a choice. It's not a choice. Market. No, no, I understand that. But the the ideas around branding, for example, that there could be a, a choice to promote a, a a West Coast brand of tech. You know, that's something that is realistic. Yeah, but regardless. But of but as an ecosystem, going. we don't we don't work together that way. We're out all like New York, Los Angeles, right? I'm sure. Um, in Asia working on robotic stuff, right? Like, like we just, we don't have customers here, right? Toronto has customers, uh, right? I think, Glenn, I, like, I think that's a big part of one of the challenges. Listen, there's lots of pluses. We all, a lot of us around the table choose to live here, yeah. uh, and there's lots of pluses, but I think that that's a significant challenge to startups here, and there's a flip side to that exact same coin. Just like there isn't big companies as customers, there's not big companies or big financial institutions or big pensions that also support the venture capital that invests in those companies. So both those things exist. Like we're a Vancouver slash Toronto based fund and outside of a little bit of support from uh, the BC Tech Fund, thank you very much, we're almost, and some high net worths, we're almost all institutional as Eastern Canada. You know, it, that's where all of the money comes for our fund. And, and so from a customer standpoint, but also from the ultimate funding sources, it's just there just isn't that foundation, that base here to build up. And that makes it a lot harder for the startup ecosystem in my mind, those two factors. And just to just chime in there with Glenn said, from an entrepreneur, if my money's not here, my customers aren't here, why do I show up to this meeting? Like, yeah. What's motivation, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. Why am I here? And I think that's a big issue, big challenge. Yeah. So, so, so I think there are, I mean, there are some, if you go, again, looking at various areas where we have been successful in BC, there's generally two or three things I think that are part of that success, and I don't know if it applies entirely here, but I think it's a little bit of what Pamela and Steve and others are thinking about, and that is, there's, there's a good R&D base, and, and that is, you know, that is important because people do look at that and they say to some extent, there is therefore a, you know, a funnel or whatever it is that's coming through, and internationally I think that's also becoming more important, so it's a good R&D base is one thing. I think another is a visible place. One of the things that Vancouver has had trouble with is the fact that we've 
we've sort of been in the suburbs and we've got, you know, wireless in Richmond, and we've got life science kind of happening in uh, by Great Northern Way, you know, you've got, uh, well, out by Lake City, you've got sort of some of the chip companies and so on. So we've, we're spread out and we need to have some, somehow, I think we're going to do something in AI and in the future, it's got to be, got to be something visible. The third thing that seems to work really well is when you've got a strong industry association. So if you've got a strong industry association to some extent, that's the visibility. That, you know, that's, you could call it hype, but it's partly, it's just getting the message out. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that, that we're, we're not doing. So if you look, for example, on the R&D side, I think we do have to do something because, you know, as I said, deep learning has kind of taken over the whole the whole Canadian space, and so that's funneling the federal dollars at the moment into chairs in, in that area. We've got to turn that around some, somehow, and part of that, I think, is around you know, having an institute or something like that. I, I think in terms of place, I don't know the answer to that, but I think the very fact we're sitting here at WeWork is, is a good thing, and the more of this we can do downtown and make it visible so the community knows what's going on here. That's the difference with Toronto. They've got 111 Front Street and so on in Toronto that everybody knows about, and, and we need to have that sort of thing here. There is an opportunity in St. Paul's, for example, for an innovation center like Mars, which I think would be fantastic mm -hmm. if we could ever get it in place. The third thing is then making sure that the industry association actually you know, blows the horn about the companies we've got here, the applications we've got, maybe the links with government, if there are links with government, etc., or users here. I mean, the big, the big companies, the natural resources companies, to some extent, and you talk to the port, you know, are desperate for sometimes applications where companies can work with them. The difficulty is making it work is, is really tough. So I think if we get those three things in place, and there may be more, then it helps, you know, investors come in and the people around the table that kind of look at uh, areas here that they want to invest in, it becomes more of a center. So what I'm, so yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, no, just, I, I, you guys are doing an awesome job enough because I'm actually moving my business here Good. from London. <laughs> so we're an AI business. We, uh, our customers are all in London, UK, obviously, uh, with the <clears throat> competing with the talent and money with guys like DeepMind and stuff like that. All of my investors and shareholders, I had to convince them that BC and had on heart and the Victoria boys, so we're over on the island. But I had to convince them that this was the right market. You do have something special. You got the Canadian brand. They're not going to look at Vancouver for deep tech or for, for, for deep learning. But why should they? They should. You got a whole bunch of other stuff you've done. I mean, as we said, this tech market has been serving the needs of huge American conglomerates. For years, we set up the telecoms industry. We got we. It, it's here, and the beautiful part, uh, and the reason why I went to Victoria is, is actually twofold. Tons of people are hitting the end of the people who grew up with Balmer in that era, are hitting the end of their time. They got ten years left in the tank. They want to be a part of something fun. They got the money, but they don't want to be loud about it. And so, they'll jump on board. We're able to attract really good, really senior talent. There was a really interesting report put out by Notion Capital in the UK about um, unicorns and how they actually invest in recruitment. Really senior talent, really early on. That's how they do it. Um, 
when you have the access to cash. Now, I was moved over to the UK six years ago to start this business. They were facing the same discussion was happening. This was pre-buyout of DeepMind. Same discussion was happening. The way that the UK government was doing it is through something called the Knowledge Transfer Network, which is a 17 billion pound a year initiative that they basically, and it goes along the institute side, it says we got a strong research base over there. You got Oxford, Cambridge, but you got to get out of that. You got Imperial, Warwick. It's the best cyber comes out of Warwick University. And, and what they do is they fund it, but the only way, the, the university can't take the money without a startup and a big corp. And then it all, everybody wins on the, on the governmental funding. It's a really cool model. It's really powerful. Because the government gets to say, yeah, we're going to focus. We're going to pick our spot. It's going to be applied AI, let's say in the forestry sector, whatever. We're going to own something. That's what it's going to be. That's great, and it does attract talent. But the, the other thing that I'm finding is, I didn't come here for the talent to be straight up fair. I came here because I can attract talent. Because this is BC. This is the best place to live. You get, best time to recruit is right now in Toronto. They're looking at three years in the wintertime. They don't want to be there. So it, the cost of living, I mean, if you get outside Vancouver, the cost of living is low. It's beautiful places. You get to go skiing. You can put in initiatives in places like Kelowna where you say, you know, if, if you got more than a 10 centimeter dump, we're on the hills. My, my team has, they're on the unlimited holiday plan. We enforce it. It's good. We work four days a week. We're more productive than most companies. All of our customers are billion dollar customers. It works. If we keep focusing, it feels to me, if we keep focusing and comparing ourselves to Toronto, I don't know if we're ever going to get there. But that's, that's my only point. But, it, but the money, I can tell you the money's coming. There's the, well, at least I'm selling it. <laughs> There's, I mean, my funds are Middle Eastern and, uh, and uh, British. And they're interested. And these are not small. I mean, wealth over there is wealth. It's a different level. And they're really interested. They're really excited about this market. They can't wait to fly out here and see it. But we got to give them something to show you brought up the talent component here, and I'm wondering if we had maybe uh, some sort of like strategic plan in place for attracting even more capital, what are your thoughts about that being also a lever to grow the talent pool here, attract more people to, as you say, one of the best places to come and live? Uh, what are you guys' thoughts on that kind of seesaw between capital plans as well as talent attraction right now? Again, focus on that application area and fund it. Yeah. The only way you're going to get experience is by funding it. And it's and putting the onus on venture to do this entirely. It's not going to work. That's not going to work. Gonna work. It's a little rough. Uh, <laughs> the other thing. I, I usually don't side with venture on this stuff. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, look, there's some reality. I think it's really interesting we're given this common, like, common theme here, just really kind of zeroing on the implied, implied use. Yeah. That's a differentiated point. Why don't we explore that? I mean, I think, you know, and then, but there's other ways. It's not just about capital, right? You know, we're, when you're fundamentally talking about this infrastructure, there's other infrastructure. That good people attract place. good people. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, other infrastructure goes, it goes into place. I think one of the interesting things, you know, on the applied side, is you know there's other elements that are not necessarily capital focused but things that you know objective arbitrators can actually provide access to help scale up these types of businesses i'll go point back in an applied space uniqueness and access to data is a very very important spot to um, to be able to take uh, an application 
from you know an R&D phase to a full commercial phase, and in particular, scale it within the commercial phase. So it's actually a two-step process that they fundamentally need to be able to do there. So access to data uh, is something that if you I'm just going to throw that as a simple point out there. There's other things out there. From an infrastructure perspective, it's a really important thing. So I think, you know, obviously, not only proximity to create kind of a centralized ecosystem, but looking at ways that you can deal with knowledge transfer and, in particular, data access is a, uh, it is a key enablement of a lot of these companies to be able to scale more quickly and to get, uh, to, get to the position where, hey, maybe, maybe you know, you're talking to investors that aren't willing to play the chicken and egg game. But are willing to see that you already got a chicken, um, and uh, you know you have to hit that level of scale point first, and then you can start to get those first steps of momentum. Yeah, we're so good at commercializing, and I'm taking one by the way. Right. <laughs> do it all the time, yeah. Yeah. right? But we had just raised a hundred million, yeah. so now we're stuck. We can't take that deal. Yeah. Our board advises us, no, like that's just not sensible. Yeah. Two years later, that deal is finally back on the table. But wouldn't it have been nice? If we had had some approach to procurement that was innovative, took some risk off the table for the corporate, helped the startup with some sort of, uh, some sort of, I don't even know what it would be, I'm not a lawyer, but the point is there was a solution because we've just found it, but it took two years. And so I think that facilitation of the orchestration side to get the right. pace up, yeah. to get the chicken, right, to resolve the chicken and the egg issue, but doing it in a few spots is where you're going to win. That's, that's, I think, where it's all going to come together. And that's a really good point, and that's a massive sort of barrier for small companies. But, I mean, that's an area where maybe something like the EDC or some kind of, like, export credit, you know, entity could step in. They do export insurance anyway, so they just take that uncapped liability so we can take the deal, right? I mean, I, I think these are, these are really good things. But, I mean, the applied space is totally where it's at. I think we're all, I mean, we've all converged to that, and that's where BC's uh, strengths are. That's where we're good. That's where most of the money is, and that's how we differentiate. So then, you know, the, 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 the challenge then is, is how do we marshal everything that we have? Or do we? Or do we just let this sort of chaotic direction and, and everything that we're doing and all this incremental stuff kind of bubble us towards a, a vague sort of direction? I don't know. I, I really don't know. I mean, we've spent a lot of time trying to herd cats into the room and... And, 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 and we're trying to, I, I think we're making progress, but at the end of the day, it, it, you know, we still haven't made, um, we haven't reached critical mass, I guess, is, is one of the things. I mean, and, 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 and it's, it's, it's encouraging to see all of the traction that's been, you know, uh, created around AI and BC and, and, and around crossover and all these other events. Um, and it's great to see so many investors in the room and see so many great startups. But the question is, is, is at what point do we kind of go pro, right? At what point does this become an official type of direction? And, and, and who is going to drive the bus, right? Because we've been trying to do it, you know, bottoms up. Um, but I, I think that, that's kind of like the next challenge, like who's going to step up? But the thing is, I think from the applied side, we already have kind of um, other companies showing up and doing it, right? right. So Quora, I don't know if you've seen Quora sure. showed up. Yeah. And if you look at all of their job descriptions, it's all completely applied AI, right? Same thing with Grammarly, yeah. right? So you've got two companies that have just shown up in the last short amount of time that that's exactly what they've come here to do. Right. So do we not do anything then and just let that happen? No. I mean, I'm, I'm all about focusing on my own business and not having to do anything else. Like, uh, that would be my preference. But, you know, maybe to your point, Matt, we're already doing a good job without even trying. You know, well, maybe no, in, in, in retrospect. I, 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 I want to be really clear. I so maybe the branding, branding then. 
the yeah, branding. I think is it is because I think we are doing a lot of good things. Like having customers yeah, outside of Vancouver, I think that makes us stronger. Yeah. Not weaker because we have we have sustainable businesses with real customers yeah. globally right off the bat. I think that's actually a huge strength. And so it feels like we have a lot of the pieces, but everybody has their heads down doing their own thing. Yeah. But like to talk about what we have, I think I think this is really important. I think branding goes a long way to make sure that we don't get looked like I think everybody having their heads down, then we lost a whole bunch of federal money that we could have had. Yeah. Right? And so now we're cutting the tail of being like, shit, okay, let's like put our heads up so we can get some money here so we can continue to grow what we're already growing. Brandon Not like, all... hey, let's start doing this. Like it's yeah. already started. It's just taking inventory. Right? It took me six months to get the information I needed to make the case. There was a lot of pushback. I mean, we were looking at Singapore, we were looking at Melbourne. A lot of pushback. You know what did it in the end? Shred. Awesome. I mean, look, when you're making British pounds and you bring them yeah. to Canada, everything's half price. It's great. It's awesome. Well, by the way, there were a bunch of Alberta companies at the event yesterday saying that Kenny had just eliminated the provincial shred plate. He did. Yeah. What the? And and remember, Ontario dropped oh, yeah. a percentage off of their so um, let's provincial. go let's let's go bring these people. I mean, maybe more Torontonians than Albertans. You know, they already have enough. Let's bring it all. Bring them, all. <laughs> Bring them all, right? Bring them all. I, I mean, let's get aggressive. Let's like target these guys, right? I mean, literally, we had two people walk by and go like, "Yeah," because of the tax changes in Alberta. I said, "What tax changes?" And then he, and I'm like, "Really?" Like, and he goes, "We want to move, like, like yeah. that, right?" Yeah. So the shred top up is so the shred top up is gone. Yeah. We do it here in BC. Yeah. And um, Ontario dropped a percentage point off of their shred top right. up. Just for the I'm a BC. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. So what? I'm just saying what's really happening. No, yeah. And to your point on branding, Amy, like I think branding also forces you to take a position. Like yeah. even if you're not there, you're making a statement about where you're going, yep. and that can focus the activity, and it matters so yeah. much. Well, how quickly did you pull together crossover AI? Like three weeks or something crazy. <laughs> no, I mean a couple months. months. Like yeah. I feel like it came out of nowhere and was just like, boom, we're gonna do this, and then look at the room. And do you know right? how hard like it was to get sponsorship? Yeah. Like some of you know because we came to some of you. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. Right? But, okay, so we did it. And I think it went well. Next year, I think it'll be better, right? But, you know, Google, Salesforce, some of these guys have significant business here. And they're all, you know, like, oh, and the site managers and people who have the innovation file who are trying to increase headcount domestically here in AI and ML, I mean, we, that's soft tissue, that's where we targeted, but they were still unable to get, um, you know, traction. You know, they tried to bring Hugo LaRochelle over and, and various other things. We had other people from, I mean, Amazon. I mean, we, we made inroads into Amazon, but at the same time, all their AI and ML people are all distributed into specific lines of business. There's no one group that does it, which is actually the right way to do it, right? But it's been difficult for us as a small organization. We've got a, one, one dude, <laughs> basically does everything, right? It's hard for us, and we're not funded by the province, except when we do stuff. We work for a living. We, we, we generate revenue, and that's been the hardest part about AI and BC so far, is, is, is being resource starved. Now through Supercluster, th through this event, and through, through sponsorship, Steve's got room to breathe and room to grow, so I'm making like a, a pointed pitch that we should all, you know, kind of help out if we could, if we can, right? Because this is the, the, the type of thing, we, we used to try and run this off the side of our sides of our desks. It worked okay, but then it didn't really start working until we had dedicated people. But you look at the uh, Aerospace Association, you look at Life Sciences BC, 
You look at all of these other industries that have extremely well-funded industry associations that are banging the drum, and, and not, you know, not coincidentally, they're the ones that are getting you know, the attention and the dollars and the branding, right? Or so the that's the first thing. Yeah, or, or the gas, gas exactly. That industry does not need any more subsidies. Like they had their decades. Sure. Like, I mean, controversial opinion maybe in the room, but holy shit! Like you're throwing a dollar to make ninety cents. Yeah, like, but so we're AI in British Columbia. We should be promoting our industry, right? We should all be working together and, and, and trying to help, you know, rise a common tide to, to raise all boats. I mean, that that for me is is one of the reasons why we all started this enterprise. Yeah, and I think just making making that noise about it like it, it sounds almost superficial but it is about a, like a flywheel right yeah. so the government of british columbia is a huge technology operation we spend a lot of money on tech and i have to say we, we aren't typically looking at, at local talent and we should be um but those companies that are providing us with ai services right now they're big ones they're they're huge u.s firms and you know it works it's turnkey for us I would prefer that we prioritize local local talent, and we can, right? We just have to sort of make a choice, and you know, well, knowing that there's a community. <laughs> government's risk averse, so going with an IBM is an easy choice. Right, nobody ever got fired. Well, no, it's, right, but at, at the same, same time, time that we talk about the indemnity components, right? It's hard for a small company to step in uh, and and take that big hit, right? Like to to take on all that liability. Totally, so, totally. We're generally self-insuring, right? So I think you know if we can if we can have those you, you know the the fact that you're identifying that as a major barrier to working with the public sector, great. Like that's it's good to know those sorts of things. And maybe they're super obvious to all of you, but the kinds of people, the, the partners that we generally work with, are IBM, CGI. Like it's not rocket science who we're working with, right? And and it's all available information publicly. I would prefer that we shift towards local companies. You're talking about you're not having local customers. Well. I would love for the government of British Columbia to be a customer at some point too. Yeah. That's been an ongoing issue we've discussed yeah. probably <laughs> a hundred times before. For it's way easier for a Canadian startup to get the U.S. government as a customer yes. than to get the Canadian government as a customer. Yeah. Times ten. I mean, Our times the FDA. Ten. We're seven people. We started three months ago. Like, uh, it's I very. Mean, I mean, the best example yeah. is the company in Richmond, um, or no, in in Burnaby, that went. Uh, they do Navy stuff. And they went and got the British Navy before the Canadians even looked at them. And then they actually went and got the Americans before the Canadians yeah, looked at them. So if you look at that, that again, industry associations that kind of grow, it, it, it has to be to some extent some of the larger companies that get involved first. And to some extent that, that levers nearly everything else. It levers government, etc. So if you look at BC Tech many years ago, you know, they basically Ten big companies got together and said, you know, we're going to put money in, we're going to hire somebody, we're going to get going, and after that, government came in, and then, you know, so on. So here, what is the relationship between, you know, Fujitsu, AI, Samsung, uh, Boreal's, uh, you know, you could think of a bunch. And to some extent, if they, you know, if you had a, at least kind of something from them, you know, then you can start to lever that without having to go to government first, if you see what I mean. Well, I can draw some parallels to, <clears throat> so like in Seattle, the reason that Seattle really got on the map was because we have anchors, right? You have Microsoft, you have Amazon, obviously Boeing and all these other big companies, but Microsoft and Amazon primarily. And they spend billions of dollars on R&D every year, uh, very much focused on AI and machine learning. 
Um, that in turn started to bring all the Bay Area companies up there. So Google, Facebook, Apple, you name it, they're all there. Um, internationally, you've got uh, Alibaba and Tencent, and they're all in the Seattle area because it, it becomes this huge flywheel effect. Um, and you can do the same thing here, potentially, by saying, again, sort of back to the, um, the data science, the lack of data science talent um, and the sparsity of you know, machine learning PhDs or whatnot. Um, when I was at Microsoft, we spent sometimes, sometimes upward of a, of a million US dollars to recruit a single PhD. Um, that's just recruiting costs. Um, and again, this goes back to the, the immigration issues and all the rest of it. Um, if, if you could frame Vancouver as, and they already have, all these companies already have presence here, uh, as a place where you can get a lot more talent in the door. Uh, and again, there's that whole Cascadia corridor thing going on too, two hour drive, depending on how fast you go, um, uh, between the two cities. Um, you can start to create a much stronger link um, and then you, you have your own um, anchors in town here, which, you know, fine. They're, they may create a giant sucking sound and a lot of, a lot of talent will go there, but that, that just, the, on the fringes, you get a lot more talent coming in because of those companies. They don't stay there forever. You know, they'll, they'll do a couple year stint there and then they'll, they'll, they'll spin out and do something else. And that's, that's a flywheel we're already seeing in Seattle, and I think you can do the same thing here. Great. Thanks, Frank. And everyone, in fact, I think we should probably wrap up as we get into the end of the hour. But uh, a fantastic conversation. Really, I think, benefit from the you know, diverse forces from, from Seattle, uh, Eastern Canada, the UK, etc. Um, and what we're hearing from all the perspectives, I think, is that you know, AI companies here are good at finding markets worldwide. It makes for kind of a, you know, a robust um, customer set. And a data point on that we found uh, in doing our survey of all the AI companies in the provinces that 40% listed uh, international as their primary market. So over Canada, over the United States. So, uh, you know, it's a proven competence, and I think we need to double down on that to our points around brand and, and uh, just, you know, highlighting what we're good at to begin with and, and where we're going in the future. So, uh, but thank you very much, everyone. Um, we can continue the conversation uh, next door with um, our sure networking event, and by all means, you know, continue it afterwards as well. So, thank you, Tyler, for moderating. Is there any other thoughts? I think we're all walking away. I think uh, with regards to the branding issue, maybe some sort of physical center, something like that. I, I think these are kind of solutions we can all think about and stuff. And I'm happy to keep writing about this because it's such a cool industry going on right now. So uh, thank you guys for making time for this. Thanks. Thanks you guys. And thank you. That was the panel. It was a great listen, and I had a great time moderating it. And I want to encourage everybody to subscribe to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher if you've not done so already. Maybe give us five stars. It's going to help even more people find the BIV Today podcast. For now, I want to say we'll be back next week.